Hello, this is Judy Barkoviak here from NLP and EFT Kids. Today I want to talk to you about uh, friends and talking with your children about friends. Um, I'm sort of reading and chatting from uh, my latest book, Empower Your Kids, a coaching guide for parents. And it's the chapter on friendship and family relationships. Um, I'll probably do two podcasts on this because it's quite a big topic. It's a very big issue for children, their friends, and it's particularly important um, in these times um, where it's perhaps difficult to actually see friends if there are lockdowns, if there's uh, isolations, masks and, and so on. Um, and uh, I wrote the book actually during lockdown, so I'm very aware of the importance of uh, friends at this time uh, for adults too, of course. So let's start. I might deviate a bit, but obviously uh, do feel free to buy the book. <laughs> so how do we first make friends and what is a friend? Can you remember when you first made friends? Here I'm covering relationships, mainly friends, but of course it's also relevant to sibling relationships, step and other family relationships too. The same principles apply. It's about connecting and building relationships. It's what we want above all, connecting to others. The word friend can mean something different to each person and changes as we mature. Children frequently say they wish they had more friends and look with envy at someone in the playground who appears to attract more friends than they do. Yet, when you ask them how many friends they already have, they will reel off at least a dozen names. When you ask them how many more do they want, they don't know and say maybe one or two. You then ask for names and they realise those they thought of were actually already friends. Here's how a discussion might go, and I encourage you to use this style of com conversation. It's all about compelling outcomes, focusing on what we want. Children will talk about what they don't want, basically no friends, or just one friend. Because if that friend is off ill, they have no one, so they need a few to cover for this occasion. Let's assume that the discussion starts by them saying they wish they had more friends or something along those lines. Now, if you've uh, read my book, you'll find that in part one, I explain uh, about the meta programs, the NLP meta programs. And obviously, if you're an NLPer and familiar with this, uh, uh, this you'll know that there's one that's called Big Chunk and Small Chunk. Big chunk or big picture thinking is when we focus on the concept, the big picture, and something like more friends falls into this category because more is vague rather than specific. And friends is a concept too because it's unclear how they're defining what a friend is. So when something is big chunk like this, we can't get hold of it. It's, it's unachievable because how will we ever know when we have enough? More than how many? How many more? So what we do is introduce children to the SMART approach. That's S-M-A-R-T. So the S relates to being specific. And here I might have a conversation with a client about what is a friend. 
you know, and that might be done in many ways. And I do invite you to use your imagination. Children absolutely love art therapy or, or doing art. I might get the Lego. I mean, I use a Lego serious play, which is specifically for therapists and for use in a, a therapeutic setting. And it's used a lot, actually, in a corporate situation where they do workshops and training. Asking a child of any age, male or female, um, to make a Lego model of friend and will really get them to be thinking about what is a friend. Notice what colour bricks they use, um, how they're arranged, um, and then rather than asking them why they've done it like this or why they've chosen it, simply just say, tell me about your model. This is what we call clean language. Tell me about your model. And they will tell you much more about what a friend is than you will ever get from a direct question. I promise you, I've been doing this work for a long time. Before I was a therapist, I worked in children's market research. And, uh, you know, you really do have to think of ingenious ways to get children to talk about things that they aren't particularly keen to talk about um, and get beyond the sort of I like it or whatever or I don't I don't know. So um, using Lego in that creative way uh, where your bricks are in a sense metaphors. Um, is very helpful. You also ask them to draw a friend um, and then to draw somebody who isn't a friend and notice the difference between them and just say again, tell me about your picture. Um, so you want to find out what makes somebody a friend um, and um, how do you know when they're a friend? Uh, I mean, some children will almost sort of, you know, set up an obstacle course you know, in terms of if they do this, then they do that and they do the other, then they're a friend. Is there just one category of friend? You know, sometimes children talk about old friends or, or best friends. You know, is there category of friends, outside school friends? How many friends do they have now? I sometimes will get out, um, uh, I've got a tin of um, mushy monsters and they're great because they don't look like people. So again, you can use them as metaphors and you can ask them to take out, uh, choose, you know, one of one moshy monster <laughs> for each friend and to put them out and talk about them as they do that as to what exactly, you know, what about that particular moshy monster reminds them of that friend. Um, so again, they're projecting onto the moshy monster the characteristics of the friend. So perhaps if one's really quite cute and small, will define that friend in a way that, say, maybe a sort of bigger spiky looking one might define another friend. So um, we talk about the friends quite specifically and, you know, when they might turn to this friend or which friendship group is this or that um, and ask them how many more do they want and to name them. Who do you want to have as a friend? I find that this sort of conversation is extremely helpful. Children find it very helpful because um, they they gives them some insight about their relationships with the different um, different friends that they have. And in fact, only the other day I was talking to um, a, a child or a teen who was saying that one friend that she walks to school with is is persistently late. Um, and this really upsets her. And when she mentioned it to this friend, the friend sort of said, well, you know, whatever. 
um, really didn't take it on board. And, and it made her think, you know, well, timing and sort of being not being late for school and sort of, you know, hanging around waiting wasn't a very nice thing to be doing on a, a regular basis. And if her friend really didn't care about this, you know, what sort of friend was she? And, um, and and these sort of conversations are ones that um, that are very useful for them to have. And as children get older, their needs from friends is different. You know, it, it may may be that they need a friend for a much uh, more important uh, conversation as they get into their teens. Maybe they're talking about their anxiety and things like that, and maybe eating problems and problems maybe with their relationships or with their parents. Whereas, of course, when they're much younger, um, it, it's different sorts of um, issues. So um, obviously the conversation will change. So I find it very, um, very, very fruitful. And I've noticed that um, uh, my clients do as well. So um, when they've had this conversation, they tend to no longer be worried about the number of friends and maybe value more the friends that they have and the way that they uh, interact with them and connect with them. So that was the S, which is about specific. can take quite a while, as you can imagine. So M is for measure. How would they measure this? And this is, a, again, about the, how they perceive a friend. Um, so uh, do they want to have a wider network of friends or the, do they want to have closer friendships? Um, so it's uh, in many cases, you know, they might be going to different schools from some of their friends. So they may need to decide whether to build closer friendships with those who they're going to the same secondary school with or make the most of their time with them um, before they move on to make new friends. And of course, at the time I'm recording this, it's December, it's towards the end of um, the first term of the new school year. There'll be a lot of issues around friends, maybe friends, friendships that they've made in the first days and weeks that maybe haven't come to fruition as they might have hoped. Maybe the friends they'd like to be friends with are now friends with other people. So this is a really useful conversation to have with them over this Christmas period um, for them to be thinking about this in, in, a, uh, in a way that of what they'd like and who they'd like to be friends with and how they may do that, how they'd like to do that. Um, many children compare their success with friends um, with their peers. You know, who has the most friends? Now here, this is what's called external referencing. They're comparing with others and taking their own self-esteem from what's happening outside of themselves. Uh, we can't control that. It's better to actually think about the friends they would like to have themselves um, and what's important to them, to ask them, ask them what they think, um, rather than this comparison, which, as I said, is out of their control. Um, encourage them to think about how their friendships have developed, who seems to have become closer over this first term, who has become less close, to think about who they're good friends with um, and how they could give more and be more for their friends. What is success? Is it a numbers game? Or is it more about having someone who's there for you when you feel a bit down? Is it someone to go shopping with at the weekend? What are the signs of a friend? What evidence do you look for to measure whether somebody's a friend or just another child in your class? 
What is a friend? Friends are extremely important to children and teens. It's how they know who they are by constant comparison with others. As they get older, they're more particular, more demanding. Not everyone will be, of course. It may just be enough to have friends to play a game with in the playground. How achievable is it? What will it take to make more friends? Can they do it? How will they do it? And this prompts a really interesting conversation about how we make friends. Do you think about how you make friends? How do your children see you making friends? Do, they, do you demonstrate this? Do you talk to them about how you might want to make friends with somebody, another mum in the playground? you know, and how you might do it, what you think about before, how you start the conversation. It's really interesting to children. You know, they're your children. Um, You are their model. So it's really good for you to talk through, you know, oh, I made a new friend today. And, you know, I did this, I thought this, I said this, and she said that, and he said that, and so on. Um, it's going to be very different, obviously, for children of different ages, and some children find it quite easy, and other fi- others find it agonizingly hard. And you'll find if you if you look at the uh, part one of the book where you've got the meta programs that I mentioned earlier, you'll find that one of the meta programs is called match and mismatch. Children who are match look for what's similar, how they're, how they're similar to others, and they look for what's familiar. On the whole, they find it easier to make friends because they're looking to be similar to the, to the other children in the class. A mismatched child is looking for what's different, and if they find something different, which of course they will because that's what they're looking for, which makes them mismatch, they're going to find themselves feeling a little bit isolated, perhaps. Um, but you'll read more about that in the book. Um, I've spoken to children who worry so much about making friends that they actually go almost rigid with fear and anxiety. And they go and find somewhere to sit on their own, sort of hoping no one will approach them and yet really dreading that they won't. Um, they desperately want to be part of the group, but their fear prevents them from approaching anyone or even looking up, actually, and making eye contact. And the trouble is that when we look down, we connect to our feelings about the presence and how sad we feel now. Whereas when we look up, we look more for possibilities. So automatically you are going to feel um, much more sad about it. Um, And in fact, um, there's a famous quote, if you think you can do a thing or think you can't do a thing, you're right. What you focus on is what you get. So before we do anything, we need to talk to our child about that process of going up to someone they don't know, breaking it down into bite-sized chunks, and basically sort of isolating that limiting belief and changing it into a resourceful belief. You'll find out much more about limiting and resourceful beliefs in part one of Empower Your Kids. I'm going to stop there because I think um, I've had feedback that most of you prefer shorter uh, podcasts. So this is roughly 15 minutes. So I will make um, another podcast very shortly to continue on this subject because I do think it's terrible important. Um, So 
uh, I will stop now. Um, do remember, please, that I offer a 30-minute completely free consultation, which might just be to chat about a few things that you're concerned about, either for yourself, your child. Um, and often I can, um, you know, I can suggest something that will help, um, that will make a difference, which is obviously what I would prefer to do, um, because I really like, um, I really like to be able to help parents um, in their parenting by them um, having more choices, more options, which is of course why I write my books. So uh, Empower Your Kids, A Coaching Guide for Parents, I would really recommend. Um, it's very practical, lots of exercises, lots of how-to, and it covers EFT as well. Um, understanding Your Children and Teens is a much more of an in-depth read um, and particularly good for coaches um, and teachers and anybody who's perhaps working in a more professional way, working with children, or, of course, if you happen to be more inclined, to, if you like to read about these things and the psychology of it in detail. I mean, some people like the more the sort of theory, don't they? Others like the more practical. But I am a very practical person. So even in the understanding your uh, your children and teens, you'll find um, there's loads and loads of exercises, ideas, and pictures. Okay, that's all for now.